listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Okay, this is an episode that I have been working on secretly for quite some time. It is a concept that has uh, really made a big impact on how I've been doing my creative practice as of late, and I am so thrilled to finally share it with you. In this episode, I'm going to tell you what Brené Brown has in common with Insane Clown Posse, Uh, (laughs) and, and I think At the heart of this, this gets to what is the difference between a good artist and a great artist. A good artist being someone who's, yeah, up to snuff, but a great artist is someone who has a crazy, ravenous fan base. And I want to get to what I think the difference is, because the difference between a bad artist and a good artist is probably skill, you know, craftsmanship, being able to make something halfway decent. But the difference between a good artist and a great artist is something more elusive and something hidden. And so if you're finding yourself feeling like, I'm technically up to snuff with my peers, uh, but I'm not seeing the same results as the great artists in my market or industry, this episode is for you. Okay. 
I want to tell you what I believe Brene Brown, ICP, Dave Chappelle, and Joe Rogan all have in common. I want to tell you what I believe to be the elusive, hidden difference between good artists with modest audiences and great artists with crazy super fans. How do you resonate on super deep levels? Like I said, the difference between a bad artist and a good artist is probably something like skill or level of craft. Uh, but as the saying goes, what got you here won't get you there. What makes you a good artist won't make you a great artist. The difference between a good artist and a great artist isn't better levels of craft. It's something else. To explain this to you, I have to tell you about a magical land called Aldi. Uh, if you don't know, from the outside, Aldi just looks like a discount grocery store. But for me, Aldi will always be this transcendent place where I learned to uh, l always look behind the illusion that is life. My grandma used to take me shopping at Aldi when I was a kid, and it was such a weird experience compared to the quote-unquote normal grocery stores that my mom always took me to. They didn't have Mountain Dew. They had Mountain Frost. Very mystical. They didn't have uh, Lay's barbecue chips. Instead, they had this weird brand that had a cowboy riding a barbecue chip on the chip packet. The weirdest thing, though, about Aldi was that at the checkout, you had to bag your own groceries with your own bags. And on one fateful day that my life changed forever, my grandma was bagging her groceries. And I should have been helping her, but instead I was trying to entertain myself. And I noticed this giant mirror next to the bagging area. And we didn't have iPads back then, uh, so to entertain myself, I like how I got like an indignant old man. Uh, all you kids out there thinking, why didn't you just play with your iPad? We didn't have them. Okay, we had to rough it, come up with our own games. And I saw this giant mirror next to the bagging area, and I just started making weird faces in the mirror. For you gaming nerds, if you can't understand this old-time entertainment, just imagine. It's like the Mario 64 loading screen where you can manipulate Mario's face and contort it in all kinds of fun and interesting ways, but you use your own face in real life with a mirror. It was great fun. At some point... I uh, must have got carried away. I'm prone to do that. And I probably pushed my face straight up against the glass of the mirror. And when I did, boom, my whole perspective irreversibly changed forever. Why? Because it was then that I saw something mystical and magical beyond comprehension. On the other side of the mirror was a man sitting in an outdated 70s-style wood-paneled office room. <laughs> it was then that I realized this wasn't just a mirror. It was a window. I had never heard or seen a two... I never heard of... Not heard a mirror talking, but I never heard of a two-way mirror at this point in my life. And my whole mind melted and expanded. It was like the world went from black and white to color. My understanding of the nature of reality and possibility went from two dimensions to 3D. No, it was more than that. It was like 3D to now I was seeing in. All D. Get it? All dimensions? All D? It, anyway. Um, 
<laughs> it changed my perspective. It really did. I was mystified. I was mysticalized. I was thinking, are all mirrors really windows? Was the Aldi manager spying on me from my bathroom mirror? It was creepy and weird, but it, it, was, it added to my sense of mystery in the world. And that's the power of Aldi. Why am I telling you this? Because when I started to figure out that the core difference between good and great artists was, when I started to figure out what it was, I felt like I had the reverse experience to my Aldi experience. I saw that as an artist looking out at my audience from my Instagram account or my podcast or my speaking stage, it looked as if I was looking through a window at a bunch of people. But as I studied it, as I leaned in and pressed my face up against the glass, I realized that from the other side, my audience was looking at a mirror. I believe that great art shows us things about ourselves we have no other way of seeing. And in that way, great art is a mirror for our souls. George Bernard Shaw said it this way, you use a glass mirror to see your face. You use works of art to see your soul. In our favorite artworks, we see deep truths about ourselves and our humanity that we were blind to before. In great art, we feel seen and less alone because here is this artwork that shows us that we aren't the only ones that feel this way. Think about your favorite artists and the art and how you've used their work as shorthand for your identity. Shorthand, mirrors as your, of your soul. If you asked me when I was 18, who are you? I'd say, I don't know, but I'm a Modest Mouse fan. It's so funny that our faces are this huge part of our identity and how we see ourselves, and yet we can't see our faces ourselves without the help of a mirror. How much more are the invisible things and qualities and experiences inside of you your actual true essence? It's so, your, your soul or your internal being is so much more who you are than your face, and yet we can't get a glimpse of it without the help of great works of art. I was telling my friend Kyle Sheely this, and he said that these great artists do for us what his wife does for him at a dinner party. When no one's looking, he will bare his teeth at his wife, Lindsay, and she knows that this means, will you be my mirror? Will you tell me if there's anything in my teeth? This is all we had before we had mirrors and we could see our reflections. We had to rely on our friends to tell us we were okay. And who knows, maybe one day scientists will invent soul mirrors. <laughs> one day we can digitally map out our the images and memories and DNA and thoughts and feelings on a big computer screen and be like, that's who you are. But until that day, we need you, artist, to tell us we're good, to bear our souls back to us. We need you to be the friend that looks into our soul, into the soul of humankind, and show us what you find so we can see ourselves and feel seen and connected. 
I believe that most of us actually became artists the moment we got so carried away, so carried away with this obsession with a particular work of art or the work of an artist that we lean into the soul mirror, this thing that we see ourselves in and feel seen in, and we push our face up against the glass and see on the other side that there's just a person like us on the other side of this soul mirror making this work. So we want to be like them. We get in our own little art rooms, our proverbial outdated 70s wood paneled Aldi office rooms, and we get to work. But I believe that the reason most of us are stuck in our practice, stuck in the rut that is good art and not great art is because we forgot why we started making art in the first place. We get distracted by those outside of our little windows. We forget that from their side, they're looking for a mirror. The artists that figure this out learn to dive to the depths of our humanity and bring back treasure to the surface and to their audience. The artists that figure this out so know themselves and so embed themselves into their work that people like them start to use their artwork as shorthand for identity. Artists are leaders showing us who we are, charting territory, territories and, and, and places that we didn't know being a human could go. You can think of it like soul tattoos. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that have been like an amazing new metal band name? Uh, soul tat Yo, we're soul tattoo. Um, now I'm just figuring this out. I think my, my art is uh, at the level of soul bumper sticker. But think about it. In the same way that we use bumper stickers and tattoos to tell the world who we are, we use our favorite art to do the same. The most obvious... Uh, people, uh, artists that have claimed this territory of soul tattoo where they uh, have their own names. You know, people like uh, the Juggalos for Insane Clown Posse, the Bayhive for Beyonce. I'm not super familiar with 21 Pilots music. I've heard some of the radio hits, but I know that they have this insane, crazy, super fan base. And I believe it's because they have reflected some of the deepest aspects of what it means to be a young person in 2019. You know, this song stressed out, like it just perfectly gives words to all of these wordless feelings that this generation have been feeling. And I think that's why you see this diehard fan base explode seemingly overnight. Okay. Do you believe me yet? Have you bought into the idea that your creative work isn't just about you, but it's about me, you and me and us? Do you believe that, it's, that in order to transcend to the next level, to be a great artist and not just a good artist, that you need to make art that is a soul mirror? No? Okay. Well, the rest of the show is useless to you and you can show yourself out. Um, just kidding. You might, you know, you might, you don't have to agree with it, but stick around. I've got some tactics and stuff. You probably get something out of that anyway. But for those of you who are ready, who are like, okay, I'm sold. Show me how to make soul mirror worthy art, soul tattoo worthy art. Stick around. I will tell you five things you can bake into your creative work that will help you become a great artist. So if great art is a mirror, then how do you make your art mirror your core audience? Well, the way you do it 
is you get to know yourself really, really well, and you bake that stuff into your art. Uh, if you get to know yourself better and articulate who you are and what's in your soul better in your work than your audience can, you will be of service to them as shorthand for their identity. So it starts with understanding your identity, understanding who you are at your core. And I've come up with five buckets, five prompts of these are things, questions you can ask yourself and identify for yourself and start baking into your creative work. And if you do that, you're going to start seeing people like you identify with the stuff that you're making. So here they are. The first one is identity. This is your DNA. This is who you are on a molecular level. For me, mine is ADHD. I am a huge believer and advocate for this idea of neurodiversity. When I say neurodiversity, it brings a tear to my eye because it's who I am on a deep molecular level. What is neurodiversity? Neurodiversity just means all of our brains are different and it's fantastic. It's one of the best parts of being a human is that no two brains are alike. I love this idea that, you know, all these different types of brains are not necessarily disorders. They're, they're all kinds of different ways of a brain working and they all have pros and cons. And I believe that it's our purpose on this planet to lean into our own unique neurodiversity. I believe that we're supposed to show up with things that only we can do and get deep, deeply knowledgeable about how our brains work differently and how we can serve each other with those strengths and help our weaknesses by leaning on those with the neurodiversity of matching strengths. And so for me, I've become more and more vocal about this identity of someone with ADHD. I want to be an advocate for that. I want to be an advocate for weirdos, for people that don't fit in, for people whose brain didn't do so well in the public school system. So that's mine. The weird brain crew. That's our <laughs> soul tattoo. Examples. Um, it's usually, you know, often the identity side is stuff that's not super represented in culture. You know, Lizzo with body positivity, Lady Gaga, born this way, all of her whole spiel, Beyonce with women empowerment, Ellen DeGeneres has been a huge mirror for so many different people. What are the ways that your identity is underrepresented? And it doesn't have to be, I'm not the only ADHD artist, but I am the only ADHD artist from Columbus, Indiana, who draws invisible things. I'm the only one like me. And that part of my identity, that belief in neurodiversity and that representation of neurodiversity is part of the identity that I will bake into my work. Number two, philosophy. My deepest core philosophy, you've heard it a billion times on this show because I bake this stuff into the work, is the hero's journey or just story, kind of traditional story structure. I deeply believe in story structure, the mythic hero's journey as a means for understanding and filtering your life's experience for max effect. 
everything I do, every time I'm confused, I go back to the hero's journey through the phases and I try to figure out where am I on this map, like a mall map, you are here sticker. That's what the hero's journey does for me and it helps me contextualize and reframe my narrative so that I can overcome obstacles and see purpose and understand what's happening in my life. You see people like Joe Rogan, he has this worldview, this philosophy of being open-minded. He will let anybody come on his show and basically say anything and he'll entertain it, he'll humor it. Brené Brown, this philosophy of vulnerability that the bravest thing that you could do is allow yourself to step into what you're scared of. So, uh, what is your philosophy? What are your deepest held beliefs? When I started this podcast and I started baking my ideas into my creative work publicly, which is what art is all about, it helped me crystallize my true beliefs and let my fake beliefs fall by the wayside. If you are not willing to bake this philosophy into your creative work publicly, then it's probably not one of your true beliefs. Let your art excavate and highlight the truth of what's in your soul. It will actually help you develop a philosophy if you'll let it. Number three, your interests. What are the things that light you up? What do you have a taste for? What just jazzes you out of your mind. For me, it's all things invisible. I live in my head. I live, you know, I live in make-believe world. I live in the world of ideas. Ideas are more real to me than this coffee cup next to me. I love the invisible. I don't, I'm outside of my senses. I live in the world of possibility and ideas and theories and philosophies. I like all things invisible and weird and, uh, you know, all of the art that I like explores the world of the invisible. And uh, for me, that's, that's my interest. There are, you know, quantum realms and philosophical quandaries. These are the things that I want to bake into my work. And it's why I created the series invisible things where I personify invisible forces as characters. And it's something that, uh, you know, my people resonate with. You know, I had a past student who was an actual cat lady. She had like five or six cats. She had this ridiculous interest and passion for cats. And she put that in her work. And it worked, not because cats work, but because it was true to her soul's interests. I like to think of it through this lens. You're going to hear me talk about this a bunch of times, this idea of super taster. So a super taster, that's a scientific term for someone who has a tongue that has a ridiculous sensitivity, tons and tons of taste buds, and they can taste the deepest nuance of every single flavor. What are you the super taster in? What Because if, if it resonates on those deep levels, those if you're really sensitive to it, you can form an ability a super ability, a sensibility, and you can reverse engineer. Why do I love this? What do I love about invisible things? And I go deep into the, you know, I love synesthesia. I love, uh, you know, these, I love the man behind the Aldi mirror, the hidden side of life. What are you a super taster on? 
What are your super interests? Start baking that in because you're going to speak to it. If you have that ridiculous palette, palette, you're going to start speaking on depths that no one's ever spoke before. And people that feel those same depths are going to resonate with it and see new things about themselves that they never knew were there. The fourth one, four, is your core values. What do you value? You might value social justice. You might value grace. You might value forgiveness. You might value, what are the things that this is what I believe in? For me, my values are about love. I believe in uh, sharing, caring, pairing up with people because we're one. (laughs) I believe in oneness. That we're not individuals, but we're actually, uh, you know, cells in the greater body of humanity. And I bake those core values into my creative work by sharing other people's work, by sharing what I've learned about creativity. What are your core values and how can you bake them into what you're all about? Number five is your guilty pleasures. I think this is a really good one. If you think of all of your favorite artists, your favorite people to follow on Instagram, your favorite uh, people that are making art, we call them artists, um, (laughs) you probably can identify a few guilty pleasures, a few things they like that nobody else likes, a few things they like that, uh, that they're embarrassed about. For me, it's pizza. You know that. I have a love hate relationship, it's a hostile, nasty, abusive relationship that pizza abuses my body. Um, I love it too much. I'm very passionate about it. I think I finally figured out something deep on my soul's level. I think that I finally articulated the perfect pizza. I get that question all the time. What's your favorite pizza topping? I don't have just one topping. Not a, I'm, I actually love pizza. Thinking wood-fired base. Thinking tomato sauce. I mean, if you use pesto or hummus or, or ranch or whatever, that's just too much or just, that's not pizza. I mean, I'll eat it, but it's not the, my preference. Uh, tomato sauce, mozzarella. And then I'm thinking this is the perfect combo. Fancy pepperoni, the little pepperonis that crisp up, you know, from a deli, garlic, spinach, uh, uh, goat cheese. Goat cheese is the essential pizza topping. Nothing changes a pizza like goat cheese. Bake it, throw arugula on top, maybe a little lemon juice for that acid and citrusy um, flavor. Hot pepper flakes. There it is. My favorite pizza. My guilty pleasure. Show some of that humanity. Most of your favorite artists, the ones you'd use for a shorthand to identity, I bet you can identify some version, some band that they like that's not cool, some influence that they have that maybe they shouldn't, but somehow it gives them some extra sauce. What is it? Your guilty pleasure. Okay, if you go to creativepeptalk.com slash mirror, M-I-R-R-O-R, you can sign up to our newsletter and you will get a little template 
for your Instagram stories that have a category for identity, philosophy, interests, core values, and guilty pleasure so that you can start sharing with your audience who you are on the deepest levels and just type in ADHD, hero's journey, invisible, whatever. It's your own version of that though. Don't type in my version of that. Uh, you don't want to become a soul mirror with my soul mirror. You'll get those reflective mirror things that go on for infinity. Those are actually pretty cool. But don't do that. Um, my, bro- my son actually just discovered that if you put a mirror facing a mirror, that it creates this weird mirror tunnel. And his mind was blown just like mine was back in the Aldi day. Um, yeah. But you can go there. Go check it out. Sign up to the newsletter. You'll get a little template. I'm also using this idea to revamp the my brand on Instagram. I'm going to change my highlights. I'm not going to name them identity, philosophy, interests, core values, and guilty pleasures, but I'm going to label them neurodiversity or weirdness, uh, hero's journey, or, or adventure, that's better, invisible things, love, or follow these artists or something like that. I should have had this part <laughs> decided. I should have had those names in my back pocket so I didn't look like an idiot in front of all of you. Um, and then pizza category. And I'm just going to label them, make little fancy things for them so that they, uh, they look all nice and fancy and they communicate to my audience who I am so that people like me can be like, yeah. And the cool thing is your audience doesn't have to share five out of five. Most of the time, if, if even just one or two of those core buckets are a deep fit, you can get down with the rest and appreciate the the diversity of those artists that you follow. But you got to have some kind of uh, core uh, relation to your favorite artist. So go check it out, creativepeptalk.com slash mirror to download that template for your Instagram stories. Even if you don't use it on Instagram stories, it's a good little cheat sheet. Save it in your photos on your phone. You can go back to it and kind of, you know, create a little note on your phone and start noodling. Try to start filling up those buckets with who are you? hope that you say yes to doing this work, to the adventure that is the art of making soul mirrors. And yeah, I want you to do this for obvious reasons like, uh, you know, get a few more fans, a few more Instagram followers, maybe even sell a little more work. But the truth is, I hope that you say yes for a much deeper reason. You ever go to coffee with a friend or go out for drinks with some friends and one of them starts touching their face, maybe their nose or their chin, and then another friend starts doing the same thing, and all of a sudden you're panicking, you're like, oh my gosh, are they? do I have something on my face? Am I, the, am I the only one here who can see that I have something on my face? I think I have something on my face <laughs> in that moment. You're so dang grateful for that bathroom mirror. Most of the time you run to that bathroom mirror and you can see you don't even have anything on your face in the first place. That mirror gives you that sweet, sweet relief that you're okay. You're okay this whole time. And you go back ready to face the world. And in the same way, growing up for me, I often felt like others were gesturing or implying that there was something wrong with my essence, with my soul, with who I was on the inside. 
And maybe even I was the only one with something wrong with me, and I was alone in that. But then one Christmas time, I saw Charlie Brown Christmas. And in that sad jazz, that depressed Charlie Brown, I saw my melancholy reflected back at me for the first time. I felt that I was seen, that I, was, I wasn't alone. I understood myself a little bit better and I actually kind of liked this melancholy thing in me when I saw it up there on the screen. And I felt that same relief that the bathroom mirror gives me today. Oh, thank God. I'm okay. <laughs> I've been okay this whole time. So I don't want you to start baking yourself into your work and making these soul mirrors just so that you can make some extra cash. I want you to do so because there are tons of people out there like you panicking that they've got something on their soul. They're panicking that there's something wrong with them. They're panicking that they are completely alone. And when you start baking your identity and your philosophy and your interests and your values and yeah, even your guilty pleasures into your work and they engage with it and they see their souls reflected back at them for the first time, they will feel it too. Oh, thank God. I'm fine. I've been fine this whole time. All right, don't forget to go sign up to the newsletter and get the Soul Mirror template for your Instagram story so you can start communicating who you are to your audience or just put it in your photo so you can reference it and start taking some notes on these different buckets of uh, core identity for your work. Also, have... Uh, the coaching session applications up live creativepeptalk.com slash coaching uh, I found that a lot of this work is impossible to do without the help of others and nobody can help you like someone who is also on the path go to creativepeptalk.com slash coaching to apply today it's creativepeptalk.com slash coaching and also Remember the pep stops. If you think a pep stop would be useful and exciting and you need some jazz and pep brought to your area and you work with a school or an organization or you could uh, work with a venue near you to bring me in for a talk and a Q&A and to set up the old merch and pep talk booth in a place near you, go to creativepeptalk.com slash pep stop to apply now and tell us all about why your area is right for one of these events. Super huge thanks to Yoni Wolf. Yoni Wolf uh, and the band Y is one of my soul tattoos. Uh, I saw myself, this Midwest guy who, you know, grew up listening to hip hop and got into art music and indie music uh, and, the, and the articulation of growing up in this kind of Bible Belt world and having to come to terms with all that. I saw myself, so much of myself in this music uh, and it totally changed my perspective. I love this band, and I'm so grateful that we get to have it as our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. You can go check it out on Spotify or Apple Music. 
Thanks to Chris Graham of Chris Graham Mastering and the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast for audio assistance. Thanks to all of you guys for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up.